0: What's up, everyone? It's the Annie Up Podcast here on the Sawdust Podcast Network. I'm Adam Ronis from Fantasy Alarm, and joining me today, one of my favorite people in the industry and in life in general, it is Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. He's now
1: at NBC Sports Edge. Corey, what's up? What's the deal, Ronis? Good to be talking to you. You know what I'm saying? I remember about it was about a, about two weeks ago. We all were out in um, Ohio. For the uh for the King's Classic and the Fantasy Football Expo, I at least had three or four people come up to me and say, "Man, I used to love listening to you guys on Roto Experts in the morning." So you know, years after that show was going off the air, <laughs> still got a lot of compliments on that program.
0: Yeah, man, it was definitely an epic show. We had so much fun. That was a great morning show. You know, we just joked a lot. We made fun of each other. It was just like hearing friends hanging out. You know, you all get on each other, give each other a lot of shit. And at the same time, we delivered information to help people win. And, you know, a morning show is supposed to be entertaining and informative. And, you know, everyone always told me like, how do you get up so early? Because I had to get up 4, four thirty for that show. And as you know, like I would go to sleep 2 a.m. most nights, like I wouldn't sleep. But once we turned those microphones on, it was just so much fun working together. Uh, Even with Scott Engel there, too.
1: Yeah, that's the funny (laughs) thing about it. It was fun even with Scott there, which was weird because most things that involve Scott Engel, you really fun is not really the word.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely true. Uh, But we are in the middle of, obviously, the fantasy football draft season. So many drafts here. Uh, Preseason games are done. But we did have a couple big injuries from the weekend. And J.K. Dobbins, the biggest injury, a season-ending ACL tear. Did you invest at all in J.K. Dobbins before this? And what do you think of Gus Edwards now?
1: Yeah, I have a team with, as uh, a um, matter of fact, the Kings Classic team. Um, You know, one of the players we drafted in that league was J.K. Dobbins. So I had to, but see, it just so happens on that team, I had Lamar, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards. So I kind of invested in the Baltimore Ravens running attack because that's going to be one of the best units in the league this year. I truly expect to see that. But um, you know, losing losing Dobbins is, is a little bit of a fallback to have Edwards. I want to know what they're going to do next in Baltimore because they're going to need. They're not just going to give that 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 to Edwards. And I don't know if Justice Hill is that guy. He's healthy on the team anymore, anyway. But um, the name that's floating around, Ronus, is Todd Gurley, and I'm like, boy, let me tell you something. If you put Todd Gurley back there, he's going to be done by October. Uh, maybe end of September.
0: Uh, but <laughs> yeah. If- I've kind of stayed away from that guy. That guy's got a bad knee. Uh, I know he had some touchdowns last year, but even with this potent running game, I just don't see him doing enough there. So, you know, Tyson Williams is another name that we're hearing there. Maybe Baltimore brings someone else in. But uh, Gus Edwards certainly moving up draft boards. And uh, with Dobbins, you know, did you handcuff like do you like to handcuff your running backs that's always a controversial topic there are people who believe that you should handcuff your top running backs others believe that you don't was that part of your strategy going into that draft or it just worked out where Edwards fell in a good spot
1: for you it just kind of worked out where Edwards fell in a good spot so it kind of was like you know let's do Lamar and 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 Dobbins and if you can get Edwards at the right price it doesn't it doesn't cost you anything you go ahead and make that move too. if you remember almost back in the day Ronan's Sometimes, remember, remember Ben Tate? You had to pay, you had to draft Ben Tate a couple of rounds after you drafted Arian Forster or whoever the running back in Houston was. So you don't want to get into that kind of situation with, with your handcuffs, but um, not in a situation like this. I, listen, it ended up, you know, working out pretty well. You know what, the, You know what I think the, the Ravens should do, and you might agree with just being a Cowboy fan, the Ravens should call Dallas and see what the asking price for Tony Pollard is. If I'm the Cowboys, I want one of those starting secondary, people in the secondary. Yeah.
0: I mean, look, I like Pollard a lot. And I think if Zeke goes down, he'll fill in very well. But we all know the running back position is one that you can fix pretty easily in the NFL. And Zeke has shown the ability to stay healthy for a long time. And they paid him a lot of money, so they're probably going to ride him. Maybe they mix in Pollard a little bit more this year because of the extra game. But obviously, Dallas needs major help on defense. And how are you feeling about the Cowboys going into the season? As uh, for those that don't know, we are both Dallas Cowboy fans.
1: Um, I'm not. Listen, Ron, the last thing I want to ever put around the Dallas Cowboys is optimism. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? But, but I, think, I think they're going to be able to move the football well. Um, I, I, I worry about the defense. And People say, well, it can't get no worse. And I'm like, well, you haven't been a Dallas Cowboys fan for as many years as I have. Um, I worry about the defense. I worry about the coaching staff, to be honest with you. I think there are some people on that coaching staff. You know, everybody points to Mike McCarthy. Okay, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be a problem. Then you look at uh, the offensive coordinator, Kellen, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people that's small, and a lot of people are like, this guy's not that good. You know, he's a boy one day. He's not that good. And then you bring Dan Quinn to run the defense. They just ran him out of Atlanta. And even before that, the defense got better when he stopped calling the plays. So that's what worries me. The coaching staff worries me a lot. But it's once again like Mones, like this is always the same thing with the Dallas Cowboys. On paper, extremely talented, but these games are not won on paper.
0: What are you doing with Dak Prescott right now? Because in a couple of drafts I did, he's fallen. So we did our uh, Greenwich Street Tavern League last week, and I was able to get Dak Prescott third pick around seven. Uh, Justin Herbert went before him. Russell Wilson went before him. And I did my home league yesterday. I had the 12th pick, and I got Dak Prescott as the QB9 off the board. So I felt like he kind of fell a little bit. All indications are he's healthy and good to go. So is that good value, or do you have trepidation with Dak going into the season coming off
1: the ankle injury and now the little bit of the shoulder, which limited him here in the preseason? I I think the shoulder is compensation for the ankle. So that worries me a little bit because he's probably putting less pressure on that ankle, which is making him put more pressure on that shoulder, but I'm not going. I think this is the last weekend that you're going to have the discount. I think once we get to next weekend and, and moving into next week, then the discount is gone. Obviously, they've already come out saying that Dak is healthy; it's going to be the starter. If I'm not mistaken, that point spread had jumped up to seven and a half. I think it might have crept back down to seven with some of the news that went on this weekend. But um, I, I'm I'm fine with Dak. I don't have him no place yet, but I definitely wouldn't mind getting uh getting up, getting uh getting him on a few teams. Yeah, he wasn't.
0: I, I don't really target quarterbacks. Obviously, we have several that we like, but I just fell in the in the right spot with the ability that he can produce. We saw it last year. I know it was only four games, but that offense was just clicking and they have so many weapons. And Zeke is healthy again nice. in the offensive line. So I felt like I couldn't pass on them at that point. And if it doesn't work out, obviously, quarterbacks kind of easy to replace. Uh, tight end is one of those tough positions right now. You know, Irv Smith was a guy that I do like. I took him in our flex, super flex draft a few weeks ago as my only tight end. So I'm going to have to go to the waiver wire there to replace him. Uh, He was being used a lot in the preseason, but now he's got this meniscus injury. And as of right now, we don't know how much time he's going to miss. Uh, If it's, you know, there's a couple of different meniscus tear surgeries. One could keep him out two to four weeks. The other one could end his season. Uh, We know Evan Ingram left on a Sunday with a calf injury like, what have you been doing with tight ends? Are you looking to get the elite tight end? Or are you waiting and hoping
1: to snap up two and hoping one breaks out? Um, that's it. I'm getting two, hoping one breaks out. You know, Ronus. here's the thing. I don't have, like, I took, in the Flex League, I got um, Travis Kelsey at 2-5. But at 2-5, I'm like, come on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's ridiculous. So, Yeah, exactly. If it's an extreme value, then I'm in on a tight end earlier. But if not, I'm willing to wait around. Uh, guys I do like this year is T.K. Hawkinson. Um, I think he could be special with that target share. But Logan Thomas is fine. Mike Gusecki is fine. Gerald Everett's probably waiting a little bit too long when you go to the Gerald Everett route. But um, it's a couple of those guys in in those mid to late rounds that I'd be more than happy with. So I'm not really ever going to be one to pay up for the tight end unless I get extreme value like I did in the flex. We're getting him at 2-5.
0: Cortland Sutton made his preseason debut this weekend. He's a guy that's been falling down draft boards coming off the torn ACL. You know, everyone's talking about the cuts that he made, and it looks like that knee is fine. Uh, Where are you on a guy like Cortland Sutton? Because Jerry Judy is rocketing up draft boards. I mean, in that GST draft, I had the third pick, and I was planning to take him at 5-3. Our buddy Chris Vaccaro took him. At four eleven, he didn't make it back to me, so he is skyrocketing up draft boards. You have to pay a high price. While Cortland Sutton is going a little bit later, so did Sutton's performance, seeing him on the field over the weekend, do anything for you, or are you still not interested in
1: him? I'm interested at the right price. I want Judy more obviously, but I'm fine with Sutton as well. You know what I'm saying? Coming in that wide receiver three range, I like the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starting quarterback. Which I do. I was surprised it was that the competition went on this long. We know where Drew Locke is, and I think we know where Bridgewater is. And Bridgewater is a guy that we saw do well with the pieces he had last year. Carolina Panthers, one of the best teams against the spread. Teddy Bridgewater is the kind of quarterback, he's not going to lose you a football game. He's not going to win you any, but he's not going to lose you the game. And I feel the same way for his wide receivers. He's not going to be a detriment towards them. You feel what I'm saying? So I I like both the wide receivers this year, uh, especially without Drew Locke there.
0: Yeah, I was actually it's funny you said that because uh, I did the super flex flex league and I usually only take two quarterbacks because there's a lot of people who take three and sometimes four. And it was the 15th round. And Teddy Bridgewater was there. I said, "Okay, I'll take Teddy Bridgewater as my third quarterback. And now we won the job. So it gives me some flexibility. But yeah, I mean, I completely agree with what you said. That's what I've said. Bridgewater is not going to take too many chances. He's accurate. He's going to get the ball to the receivers. We saw last year in Carolina. They had three wide receivers finish the top 30, I believe. He, he's not going to take you to the next championship level, but he's going to be competent. Whereas with Drew Locke, he could completely implode, or maybe he it works out, but they saw enough in Bridgewater to start. And look, there's a lot of weapons on this team. I mean, this Broncos team could be really good if Bridgewater gets the job done. So uh, yeah, as your third quarterback in a super flex league, uh, I'm certainly going to take the shot on Bridgewater because of the weapons there. 49ers quarterback situation. Very weird. What we saw on Sunday was Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance rotating with the first team offense. And I know you follow the high stakes leagues I and mean, Trey Lance has been going as a, a QB one recently in the NFFC. Everyone expects at some point for him to take over. But after what you saw on Sunday, does that do anything? Are you still willing to take Lance more as a backup quarterback and pair him with someone? What do you think is going to happen with this 49ers quarterback situation?
1: I think it's going to be Garoppolo for the most part the majority of the season. I think you may see some triggeration and stuff like that. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan, very creative. I'll be very careful about putting Trey Lance out there. Like, okay, for, here's the thing. They, they went up and got him. So you know it's a, they, So by going up and get him, everybody oh, they really wanted Trey Lance. I'm like, no, they really don't want Garoppolo. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Shanahan wants his guy. So you go and you get your guy, right, but he's like North Dakota State and never really played a big competition and stuff like that. You can coach him. Like the big touchdown pass he threw his first time out there, Ronan, that was all Shanahan. That's all play call right there. Now, you when you get in situations where you have to make a play, I kind of think like Garoppolo is probably still the best fit for that. So if I'm taking Lance, I'm taking him as a guy that I want to pair with another starting quarterback. I'm not really looking to... To, to to draft Lance as a QB1, and you're right, I have seen that lately. I think I saw on Twitter, in some league, he may have been the sixth quarterback to go off the board. Yeah, that was my tweet, Corey. That <laughs> <it> was you. <laughs> my home league yesterday. That.
0: The dude took him QB6, and I was waiting for, hey, sorry, I made a mistake, pause the draft, back it out, because I had to do that. I thought Scott Engel was in my draft. Wait, how many times I had to back out? It was insane. Like yo, that – It annoys me, okay? I know every platform is different, but when seven, eight, nine people are all doing fine, making their picks on time, and you got like one or two people who keep expiring and complaining about it, it's like, like, come on, man. Be prepared for your draft. We've run the league on this software for 10 years straight, bro. 10 years. You've been in the league every year. Why do you always have problems? And then some dude calls me on FaceTime like, hey, look, I can't make a pick. I'm like, you're not even in the draft room, man. You're not in the draft room. Like, shit like that annoys me, man, especially when you're the commissioner. So it was just driving me crazy. But, yeah, he went as QB6, and I was like, whoa. And then the guy wound up taking two more quarterbacks. So it's just crazy that people are so high on him. I understand taking him as a backup, you know, and pairing him and hoping that eventually he finds his way into the job. But when you look at this 49er schedule, man, it's so easy. They open in Detroit, then in Philly home to Green Bay, home to Seattle, at Arizona, home to the Colts. I mean, and then the playoffs, I if you look that far ahead, I mean, their December schedule after playing in Seattle, they play in Cincinnati, home to Atlanta, in Tennessee, home to the Texans in week 17, man. So, wow. yeah, this schedule is so ridiculously easy, especially if you look ahead of their playoffs and. We know anything could happen. We saw it last year with them, right? They had yeah. a ton of injuries, and they weren't the same. But, I mean, yeah. how much do you look at playoff schedules? Is that something you take into consideration when you're drafting?
1: No, you know what? Not really. You know what I'm saying? I guess that's from that old crazy-ass angle. You know what I'm saying? But the <laughs> thing about it is a lot of these teams are not who you think they're going to be come those weeks. You feel what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I kind of don't want to get into that speculation. You know what I mean? And, you know, some teams you feel pretty good about, obviously, Kansas City and something like that. But those players are not really – I think you can use that when it comes to a fringe player. But for the most part, you know, it's not really something I practice.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It just changes a lot. All right, we're going to pay some bills. Then we're going to come back and we're going to take a look at an auction that Corey did in the NFFC over the weekend. I'm here with Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, again, find him at NBC Sports Ed. So you participated in an NFFC auction over the weekend. So how did it go? And, you know, what's your plan generally going into an auction? I know you did the Kings Classic and you've done auctions before. What is generally your plan? You go in with players and tiers, certain price, or are you just one that, hey, let me see how the market goes, what the early guys go for, and then go from there?
1: I would. I, I come into it, Ronus. I kind of have a a shell of what I want to get as far as a wr one and, and and a running back one. Like I kind of want. I kind of want to know how I'm going to spend my first hundred. Then after that, after that, I kind of let the let, let the board come to me after I spend that first hundred. So coming into this one right here, my thought process was because this is right, you know, the NFFC with their 150 auctions this year, they have an overall too. So I'm like, I'm going to try to win the fucking overall. You know what I'm saying? Like That little $750 the way my kids eat. That's not going to do nothing. You know what I'm saying? But if I can knock down that five grand, you know, clean up for a weekend. You know what I'm saying? Now, with that being said, I said I wanted to come in this. And for the first time ever in my auction career on this, my plan was to spend up at quarterback. I wanted to start. I I wanted my start to be like Diggs, Eckler, josh allen and i was like and then i'll put the rest together after that the problem is the inflation was crazy in this one like everybody was going at their high point of the draft season like we smashed through everybody's top buy on the year in this draft and in the, in, in the auction that we did so when that happens how did you adjust well here's the thing what you got to kind of try to do is you have to get in on the inflation and you understand that there's going to be some values down the road. But if you say, okay, well, if we got inflation in the draft right now, I'm going to sit out and, and, and just wait for the inflation to end. You can get left out of a lot of players because, you know, it's not just like my prices are getting inflated. Everybody's prices are getting inflated. So it's kind of going to even out at some point. So in, in years in the past, I've made mistakes trying to wait out inflation, but I've learned now is a good thing to hop in on it. So Diggs, who was normally going for 39, I paid 43 for him.
0: Okay, so you got your guy. Who are some of the other guys you got?
1: So um, Eckler got two out of control. He went all the way up to 47. I backed out of that. But I, so I got back in on Ezekiel Elliott. I got Ezekiel Elliott for 51. So right there, that's $94 spent. So I'm like okay so I got my my RB1 and my WR1 94. dollars So I can add a little bit extra you know to another position. I was not going to pay over $20 for Josh Allen. He went for 21. I jumped out at 20. So I gave up at the last at the last little bit, you know what I'm saying? So I didn't get Josh Allen. So I was able it was able to free me up for some others for some other spots. I ended up getting Jameis for two and Kirk Cousins for one. So I spent $3 in my quarterbacks and I got Jameis Winston and Kirk Cousins. So I was able to get Damian Harris as my W, as my running back to a player I like a lot this year, Damian Harris. And my wide receiver core was um uh, Stephon Diggs, Amari Cooper, and Tyler Lockett. So I felt pretty good with how the you know the starting lineup came together.
0: I love Lockett this year, man. People who are saying, oh, he's inconsistent. I mean, the guy's balled out for the last couple of years. He's played through injuries. The second half, the Seattle offense really fell apart. It's funny that you say that. My home league draft on the 3 4 turn, I took Cooper and Lockett. So we didn't even talk about this. I mean, Cooper's, Cooper's, uh, look, he's produced top numbers with Dak Prescott. Like people are forgetting that. I know he was coming off the ankle injury, but he played in the preseason. So the fact that he's out there was a good sign. I know he began on the pup list, but. Cooper has just been. I don't. What know, is it with Cooper? Is that the expectations were so high, and maybe he hasn't been like a an elite receiver, but he's been very good. I don't understand sometimes with Cooper.
1: I think what it is, he's like he's a he's not a, he's not like a diva wide receiver. He's a soft spoken guy. He's not really out there that much, even though he's a Dallas Cowboy. You know what I'm saying? He just goes out there, does his job. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's a very young guy. He might even be 25 years old yet, Rona. I think he, he got was- to the league. He, when he got yeah. to the league, he was like 19. Yeah, he was. You know, is he only 25?
0: I mean, I think Dallas can get out of his contract, too. Um,
1: yeah, they, and I think they are this year. I think yeah, this is since I I last year in Dallas. He's 27. Okay, so he's 27 years. Yeah. He must have just turned 27. Yeah, in June. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there you go right there. Now, but still, you know what I'm saying? Like He's been in the league for a while now. You know what I'm saying? 27 years old. I remember wide receiver. Um, Took on that big contract to be in Washington. So he wanted to be in Dallas. But I think, obviously, we're going to see Dallas start to maneuver to CeeDee Lamb being uh, WR one I got Lamb in a couple leagues. I got him in the Kings Classic. We need to get him in something where I got some money behind. And the reason why, like, I'm on Lamb this year, too, is because if you look at the past two seasons, the fantasy community has nailed their breakout wide receivers. Two years ago, it was Chris Godman. He was excellent. Last year, it was Calvin Ridley. He was excellent. This year, CeeDee Lamb, I'm thinking it's going to keep going in that direction. Yeah,
0: he's such a high price to pay for now. Sometimes going in late second round. I did get him in the uh, super flex league. I took him, I think, round three. Obviously, he was pushed down a little bit because of the quarterbacks going early. Uh, Maybe I might have a shot at him in my NFFC draft, which I'm doing tonight. So by the time this recording's out, I already have done it. Uh, So hoping maybe I can get him as well. But it's interesting you said that. You had a plan going in, spending on quarterbacks, and It doesn't work out, and I think that's important, not only just for auctions, but even snake drafts, because I'm sure you get the question, too. Oh, I want to start my draft RB, RB, then wide receiver. What do you think? It's like you can't do that. You've got to be flexible and give what the draft board around you, what they do. And you can go in and say, "Okay, I want to start two running backs. But what if some elite wide receiver falls to you in round two? You're just going to go
1: with what you had planned. You can't do that. No, uh, you have to be flexible. You have to be able to get out of your different things in the draft. First of all, you can't plan a draft anyway. You can you can you can do the best you can trying to plan a draft, but you can't really plan a draft. Hell, you can't plan an auction. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's it's kind of tough to kind of put it together exactly the way you want it. But when when Allen got to be too high, listen, Ronas, I've been on Jameis since, you know, since we started, since, you know, June, July, we start turning on fancy football. I figured Jameis was going to win that job, and let me tell you something. Jameis Winston was the best quarterback in the Saints' quarterback room last year. If Jameis Winston was the starting quarterback last year, I think the Saints beat the Buccaneers in that game. I think the Saints very well could be in Super Bowl. I like Jameis a lot this year. Honest, I'm putting a couple dollars on him to win the MVP. That's how much I like Jameis Winston this year because what Winston does is he brings the deep passing game. Back to the Saints' offense, and that was not there the past couple of years with Drew Brees.
0: Well, he can actually see now, too. Remember, a couple of years ago, yeah. he said he couldn't see. <laughs> I mean, because I, I had a lot of Winston that year. He had the 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. Oh, I mean, me too, son. <laughs> I mean, that was my quarterback. I remember being out in Vegas uh, for an FFWC, and I was like, well, I guess my season is going to ride on Winston, because uh, I kind of waited on quarterback. He fell to me. I thought he was the best available. And I'm like, all right, got to take him again. I think I paired him up with uh, Evans or Godwin, too, that year. Here, But are you – is there any concern, though, that Taysom Hill comes in near the goal line and gets these carries and they run these packages and that could hurt Winston? Are you at all concerned about that?
1: I worry about, the, like, the running by the goal line is what concerns me more than anything else. But I just I, – the, the, the deep passing game is what really intrigues me because I know Sean Payton – Wants to throw it up the seam. I know he wants to throw it deep down the field. And that's what Jameis Winston can do. Here's the interesting thing about Winston. When he was was over in Tampa, now mind you, I had him that year too, Ron. Let me tell you what I did one time. This was so, I mean, one of those nightmares of fantasy in my whole life. You know it was him and Ryan Fitzpatrick that year, right? I had both of them. And it was on two different occasions. I, one time I started Fitzpatrick, he threw four interceptions in the first half, and they benched him at halftime, and I took a donut. A couple weeks later, I started Winston. He throws four interceptions in the first half, and they bench him at halftime, and I took a donut. And that's a lead. And lo and this was a big auction, like $1,500 auction, I missed the playoffs by 24 points, and I had two zeros out of my quarterback that year.
0: Damn, that is brutal. And that, yeah, that's the risk. What comes with Fitzpatrick and Winston, as yep. good as their ceilings are, their floors can be absolute garbage. And also, if you do play the quarterback carousel and rotate, that's the one thing I don't like is you are going to, you have to understand that if you are taking two quarterbacks and rotating and playing the matchups, there are going to be weeks you are absolutely disappointed. You have to understand that. That's the one good thing, like you said, with a Josh Allen, one of those elite quarterbacks. Yeah, you got to pay up for them, but you're putting them in your lineup every week. Like, I don't care. who I don't care who Josh Allen faces. That's why it bothers me when – now, I don't mind in a 20-round draft, the high-stakes league. You want to take a backup quarterback, even with a Josh Allen. I'm cool with that. I understand. You're protecting yourself. But in these industry leagues where it's 16 rounds and these guys are drafting Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, why the fuck are you taking a backup quarterback in July
1: and August, bro? Like I don't understand that. Honest, you have 16 rounds, 16 roster spots. You have three bench spots and they'll have three quarterbacks. You're giving your two of your bench spots to quarterbacks in a league where running back can get hurt on any carry. I'm, it absolutely makes no sense. I don't get it. But I, I they don't know the they, I, they don't know the board. They no, don't know that, they, they don't know the player. They don't know the player pool.
0: Yes, that's the one thing I'm saying, I'll say the one thing that really sucks in this industry. There's a lot of good people who give Analysis on players, they can break shit down. Roster construction is
1: lacking. That's why these guys don't win. Yep. They'll know how to put it together. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, I know if I get, for example, I know if I get, if I know, I know if I draft Nick Chubb, right? I know I'm going to be short on catches out of my running back position. So I want to make sure I have like a James White or a Gio Bernard on those teams. Whenever, you know, and vice versa. If I draft a running back, if I got Kareem Hunt as my RB2, I understand that, okay, I can lack on cactus in my RB1 spot. You know what I'm saying? You got to understand how these points are scored and how to get these, and and how to put the teams together. You can't just pick players. You have to build these teams.
0: Yeah, and then I'll see people take like Kylo Murray and then Matthew Stafford two rounds
1: later. I'm like, what are you doing? Like you just wasted a spot. That's, a, just... that, that's yep. That's a waste of draft pick right there. One thing I'll say right quick, runs back to back to Jameis Winston thing. When he when he left Tampa after that year, right, he was um, Pittsburgh offered him more money than the Saints did, and Pittsburgh really wanted Jameis Winston because they were getting ready to run Ben Roethlisberger. They knew Roethlisberger was coming to them towards the end. Jameis went to the Saints because he had saw that the Saints kind of turned Bridgewater into a guy that can be a starter in the league again. So he kind of wanted to follow in Bridgewater's footsteps. He was able to actually get and secure The Saints job of Bridgewater had to go and, you know, bounce around. But Bridgewater's a starter in the league. is a starter in the league. So I think it was very smart of Jameis to go to New Orleans. And now you see him being rewarded for picking New Orleans over Pittsburgh.
0: Well, yeah, that's why when he went back, I'm like, wait, if he's going back, he must know he's starting, even though they paid Taysom Hill all that money. Like it didn't make sense. He could have started on. There's many teams that could have used the quarterback. So when I saw him go back to the Saints, that was my initial reaction. I'm like, oh, it's going to be Winston. But then you kind of hear, heard this talk. Oh, it's Taysom Hill. And I was like, I don't understand that. Why would would Winston go back if they didn't say, hey, you're getting this job? So you think he, he knew for months that he was starting and the Saints were just trying to keep it quiet?
1: Yeah, I think he knew for a while. I think the thing last year with Taysom Hill is one of those Sean Payton things. Like, Sean Payton wants to prove to people that I can put Taysom Hill back there and win with him. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of this mad scientist thing that Sean Payton gets into. This is what was told to me from somebody inside that organization that's kind of why he kind of wanted to prove okay. But now, when it comes to going into a full season and running this offense, Jameis Winston can run the offense like Sean Payton wants him to run the offense to the point where my source said Jameis Winston was a was better running this offense last year than Drew Brees was.
0: Oh, look at you! You're like Scott Angle now with sources. Sources.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> I know, right? But this is. This is Real though. <laughs> <laughs> like I know somebody who to the people there. You know what I'm saying? Like he's legit been covering the team for almost 20 years. So he knows the dudes. And some other stories that I'd share with you off here, honest. All
0: right, cool. I, I definitely want to hear that. uh so I know you're doing a lot of betting now. So you probably looked at a lot of different numbers, whether it's win totals, player props. What are some of your Favorite picks so far as you headed to this season. What are what are some of the things standing out? I mean, you mentioned you sprinkled a little money on Winston MVP. That's obviously a long shot. Don't put your life savings on it and blame Corey. That would be wrong. Uh, yeah, but, that's
1: something you put ten dollars, exactly. It's
0: a long yeah, shot. Exactly. But what are some of your what are some of your favorite bets for the upcoming year?
1: Uh, you know, some of the things that I'm that I'm looking at. Um, well, first of all, like, well, here's the thing with me. I'm going to have long shots, right? Because you know, some of the free bets you get in different markets and stuff like that. So I just go over some of the things, right? So I put some, I put $25 on the Patriots to win the AFC. Now, are the Patriots going to win the AFC? No. But if the Patriots can get to a division round playoff game, you have an excellent chance to head against them at that point. And I think the Patriots are going to be very good this year. The Patriots win total is something that I was on from the beginning. Just watching Matt Jones from his time in Alabama and then hearing everybody that came to that program over the past couple of years say, Mac Jones is the guy. Everybody loved Tua, right? If Mac Jones would have been in the same draft class as Tua, Mac Jones would have went, only person who'd been higher drafted than Mac Jones would have been Joe Burrow. I love Mac Jones. Mac Jones is an excellent quarterback, in my opinion. I would have took Mac Jones as the second quarterback off the board in this draft class, only behind Trevor Lawrence. So I understand that Cam is there, and Cam is well-liked and well-loved teammate, very respected, but I think it's, at some point this season, we're going to see Mac Jones take over that New England Patriots situation. I think Mac Jones was the rookie of the year. And I think Mac Jones leads the Patriots to the playoffs. Um the Chargers are a team that I think is ready to take the next step. I like yes, this. I agree I, with you. I like their win total over. They have to stay healthy. But um man, you've got the man, you got the quarterback. You should have better luck at the head coach spot, right? You got talent on both sides of the football and the way they play defense. It just it just so happens the two teams best equipped to beat Kansas City are the Broncos and the Chargers because they play the kind of – they can man up, you know what I'm saying, with with with, the, with 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 Hill. Well, they can double Hill and man up in the middle of the field with Kelsey. And that's when you see the Chiefs – you know, when the Chiefs get problems. And those are, type, those are the two teams that have the personnel to do that. So I think the Broncos and the Chargers, are, especially the Broncos now, with Bridgewater as the quarterback, um. As a Cowboys fan, it kind of hurts to say this. I think the football team is going to be tough this year. They are good in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I think Chase Young is going to be defensive player of the year this year. I think the football team can win the NFC East. Um, the season will end with Fitzpatrick throwing an interception. But we <laughs> get Lauren and Curtis Samuel involved in that offense. And I think the football team can have a pretty good year.
0: I'm with you on that. I was discussing that with a Cowboys fan the other day, and he's like, get out of here, man. I'm sorry. I don't believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Nope, you're wrong. I'm like, they're a good team, man. I mean, yes, like you said, Fitzpatrick is going to have his games where he throws picks, but it's way better than the quarterback play they had last year. I mean, Alex Smith was as great a story as he was. He was throwing
1: two-yard passes every time. Yo, Lawrence, I couldn't watch those games. I was scared because he shouldn't be playing. No. no that he was going to get a hit and and something happened to him again. And like you said, he was throwing two yards passes because he had to get the ball out of his hands, you know, because he could not afford to take a big hit.
0: Yeah, I hope we're wrong on Washington, obviously, as Cowboy fans, but they just seem like they're set up for success. Uh, They definitely seem to be the team that I worry about in that division. Uh, Obviously, the Giants and the Eagles not looking good going in. Uh, Giants and the Eagles. I like the Rams a lot this year, too. Yes. Uh, did you make any Super Bowl prediction yet or you didn't do that?
1: Uh, not yet, but I will be I will be making those coming up. Um, what What I will say is this. I'm leaning right now and I'll put my money behind it. The Exact matchup. The Ravens versus the Rams. Oh, OK, interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, that NFC West is very tough. That's It's a, it is. a if I hell think, of a division. I think if I'm not mistaken, I, I saw this a week or two ago, I think every team in that division ha- is at least projected for nine wins as their total. Or did it say yeah, Arizona nine. eight and a half? and a no, they're Arizona, all nine,
1: Arizona, right? Arizona was eight and a half. Arizona up to nine now. Arizona can be a 10-win team and does not make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. That division is, is so tough. All right, before we get out of here, uh, I don't want to get you in trouble, but just want to talk – Fantasy industry because you've been around for a while and we've seen a lot of things. Because I I just think lately it's been uh, absolute shit on Twitter. We have seen a lot of new faces come into the industry, which is great. But you know, what's your general thought on where the industry has gone? As someone who has been in it and now you know done different things, you've hosted, you've produced, you've written, you're doing betting now. So, so where do you think the industry is
1: right now? I think it's an exciting time for the industry, runners because you see all these new talent coming in. I'm also worried though because I'm seeing less and less football and more and more stupid shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we when we were coming up and doing our thing and trying to make it and stuff like that, we were very big into the content. We were very big into fantasy football and, and winning leagues and, and trash talking and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Instance, I remember I would start doing mock drafts in March, April for the upcoming season. You know what I'm saying? Just to be ready for when it got time to really Flip the switch and start talking about football. Now, I a lot of these dudes, a lot of these, you know, younger people in the industry, not not being critical or negative towards anybody. I don't even know if they can play fantasy football. Like I've never seen them give advice. And so I think that this is gonna be important seasons for a lot of people in the industry. I think we're gonna be able to see, okay, you can make TikTok videos. That's dope. Can you tell me who I should start my wide receiver three? You see what I'm saying? And that's going to be very important to the people standing on the test of time. So I like seeing the newcomers in the industry owners, but I worry that their main focus may be fame and not football.
0: Yeah, I'm, I have similar thoughts too because everyone deserves an opportunity because before I came into the in- industry, no one knew who I was. So I had to work mm-hmm. hard and build a reputation and show that I can give advice and produce rankings and win. You know, there's so many yeah. people now that, I think you do need to separate yourself. You want to go, all right, well, there's so many people I can take advice from. Well, this guy seems to do very well in many of his leagues. That means he's taking the advice that he is giving out and applying it for himself. I think that does some things. And I agree with you. When I see all this stuff on Twitter going back and forth, I'm like, guys, why don't you fucking shut this shit down and actually do some work and research to help you win? Why are you wasting time arguing back and forth about useless shit? Why don't you spend your time
1: doing something to make yourself a better Analyst player. Yeah, no, all of it, all of it, none of it, none of it is is in the grand scheme of things when it comes to to breaking down fantasy sports or fantasy football, whatever, none of that makes a difference. You know what I'm saying? None of that makes a difference. The stuff that makes a difference is, like you said, the content, the winning, the gameplay, the giving the advice, the entertainment, the information. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, don't get no, I was with Michael Fabiano all weekend. A couple of weekends ago. You know what I'm saying? And and nobody gets more beef and haters and stuff like that than Michael Fabiano. But you also see Michael Fabiano pumping out content. Like when Michael Fabiano talked about his sixth start, I've seen the numbers that, that does. Bonus, that piece of content is enough to to get him six figure deals, time and time again. Because he's put work in it. He's doing it for 20 years. So when that article comes out, and it does four hundred thousand clicks. You're like, oh my god! But that's to him. That's that's what this is supposed to do. That's how hard I've worked at it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, he says it's some kind of beef. But that article comes out every week. You Feel what I'm saying? These kids, I haven't seen no nothing signature from them yet.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, we all know you got to put work in this industry. You got to work hard. We've all been there, working tons of hours and not getting compensated for what we do, Nothing.
1: but th- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, But
0: those who grind it out uh, and just keep plugging away and do their thing, you'll eventually make it. And, you know, I think the two of us are kind of an epitome of that, that we've been around this long and we were entertaining. I felt on our show, you know, we did a combination of everything and, you know, I, I don't think you'll see a show like that again. First of all, it would get canceled <laughs> No, you can't. Yeah. It's today's survivor. I think after hearing us for one minute, they'd be like, all right, you got to get rid of them.
1: I like, yeah, we can't do this, y'all. <laughs> 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 we can't put this out there. But, but you know, and see, but, and we brought it. And, and for that time, it was good, you know what I'm saying? But like, you know, you see now is, um, you know, a lot of the content user, you know, no studio, no stuff like that. And they're pretty good at it, you know what I mean? But you you want to see a more of a commitment. You want to see them at least get to the season. You know what I'm saying? And so far, that's been kind of tough for some people to even make it to the season. Nonetheless, you know, start winning championships and stuff like that. But it's all about the season and the gameplay and stuff like that. And, yeah, you know, listen, you know, we, I mean, listen, as we've been in this thing for a good bit now, but if you guys have been in here longer than us, you still at it, Ronald. So, and we know when they'll finish that either. So, but you just want to see, People coming into the industry take good care of
0: it, yeah, no doubt about it. And I think you know, people will followed us for a while, they know. And when you could follow someone's work, you could see how they perform in their leagues, and you know, you just point to the scoreboard, it's all there. So, uh, it's a combination of things. You obviously want to be entertaining, we all know there's a lot of boring people around,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, there is. There's oh no doubt, God. but we, we've always tried to make it fun and laugh and entertain people because I'm sure it's happened to you. Like, people have come and said, hey, you know, just I've been going through a tough time and listening to you guys in the morning or wherever we are now. Uh, and they come and they say, hey, we appreciate that, man. You got us through some tough times. And that what it was about is, you know, eventually, like, the bottom line is, look, fantasy sports, sports betting is supposed to be fun. Yes, we want to win money. I fucking hate losing. You know that, Corey. I'm very yeah. competitive. I hate losing. I can't stand it. But in the end, it's all about having fun as well. And I think sometimes people lose sight of that.
1: Yeah, it it, it is. You know what I'm saying? And they're competitive in a different way. But like you said, the competition, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, you as somebody, you know, that's 500 against me. No, that's bullshit.
0: (laughs) 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 See, this is all you need to know about Corey. He's proud. That he's making up a stat, and he can't even say, I'm 850 against you. He's got to say, I'm 500 against you. That goes to show you how proud he is, if it was true, just to be even with me. So he he can't even make
1: up 850,
0: 750, because it sounds so false. If
1: you was to put our stuff together, I am 500 against you, No, which a lot of people probably can't say. (laughs) That is true. That is true. You know what, though? We have not really played in many leagues together in, in years, man. It's been, a, it's been a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And I was hoping in the GST, um, you know what I'm saying? But you got the other – who was in the other GST with you? Because I got the GST. I think I can run through this one. Um, Yeah, that – I think, again, I've always been terrible
0: in the GST, always. Our league last year – the because I kept the two leagues the same because we only had one person leave. Um, So Lawrence Jackson joined and then you teamed up with him. So that was the mm-hmm. only person that left. So I didn't switch up the leagues this year. I'm like, you know what? It's pretty even. Let's leave it the same. But I got Chris Vaccaro in my league. Um, who else do I have in my league? Damn, I totally forgot now. Um, There's some good players. But yeah, I've actually been to the final four straight years in that league. I've won. How 20. many times have you won it?
1: So oh, that's I- good. I've never, I've never made the playoffs. in Oh, year.
0: Scott Angles in my league. Because, you know, Scott had his little streak. So last year he came into my league. And that streak ended pretty quickly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the king. I am king. I am fantasy. Good old Scott Engel. You know what I'm saying? I seen Scott recently talking about the Seahawks. And I was like, he loved those Seahawks.
0: Oh, my goodness. It's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. But hopefully we get to do that draft in person next year because that was so much fun. We couldn't do it last year. It's always good to get everyone in person. But. Man, I could talk to you for hours, bro, but I know we both got stuff to do. But let people know where they can find your work and what you got going on.
1: Yeah, right now we're on NBC, uh, NBC Sports Edge. You know what I'm saying? NBC Sports Edge slash bet. That's where most of the content is going right now. And um, we should be having something coming in in the digital space probably soon. It should have been out already. I don't know what the hell is going on. But, um, nah, but honestly speaking, it looks like as we get closer to the start of basketball season and we get some nightly sports going on, Go along with the with it with the, with the NFL. That's when we'll get something, and um, we're quite sure that's going to be a hell of a time. So look forward to that.
0: It's always good talking to my guy Corey. Man, we will always be friends forever, even if he does lie about his record against me. <laughs> we're always, always going to be good friends, man. Uh, we always have interesting conversations, especially off the air. But oh, um, yeah. I appreciate you, Corey. Man, thanks for joining me, and uh we will definitely talk soon. No doubt. All right, that wraps it up for Andy Up. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Andy Up presented by the fantasy alarm.